The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We welcome our podcast listeners today. This is a very special day for all of us who are fathers or all of us who are spiritual fathers. Certainly it is a special day for us as children to honor our fathers. And they, these fathers do not have to be alive. In fact, I've met a couple orphaned children who honor their father that they have never met. We're going to be talking about all four aspects of being a father and looking up to a father. The whole thing about the Father's Day has had such an emphasis on the simple fact of having children that it really has uh, robbed us of the privilege of understanding really what God has in store in understanding fatherhood. There are many people like Paul who never got married on earth. He was married to Christ, obviously. But there are many people like Paul who never got married, never had physical children, and who have been spiritual fathers to many. In fact, we could probably safely say that Paul is a spiritual father to people that are walking around on the earth today. Paul is not one of the ones, by the way, that is going to have his name above a a gateway into the New Jerusalem. But when we look at the impact that Paul has had as a spiritual father on followers, indwell followers of Jesus Christ, we begin to see that the issue of Jesus Christ being a father figure for the father, for the disciples, is a pretty significant uh, role and statement that's being made. To have your name engraved above a gateway into the New Jerusalem, 12 gates, 12 doors, 12 entry points, into the New Jerusalem with each disciple having a special emphasis in ministry. That's worth preaching about, which we're going to do. But today I'm going to be speaking more about Paul, who is a spiritual father who had no children, who had an unbelievable perspective of Jesus Christ as the eldest son, Paul representing the second son. When Paul was out there, he did some very horrible things. Now, the story that Jesus tells is this prodigal son was out there horsing around doing whatever. But the illustration of Paul, which is a true story, is he was murdering servants that belonged to his father in his kingdom, murdering them. The wickedness that Paul showed in his life is probably immeasurable. 
and yet he becomes one of the greatest spiritual fathers that ever lived. And God himself, through Jesus Christ, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, decides to use this man to write three-fourths of the New Testament. Those are the fathers I want to talk to today. So if you're listening and you cannot relate to being a physical father, I say big deal. Being a father is easy. Any seed will do. But being a spiritual father, the proof in the pudding there is being able to reproduce your own life in the life of your child. That is evidence of a true father. But if you are both, you are a father, you have children, and you are a spiritual father to that child or many children, you have been blessed with abundance. So we need to take a look at whether you and I view God through the eyes of the way we view our earthly father, or do we view the father through the eyes of Jesus as the son? All right, let me ask you a question. What is the absolute most devastating moment for a child growing up with their father? What is the worst thing a child can encounter with their father? Disappointment. Disappointment. To be able to be a child, to look into the father's eyes, and the father is somehow communicating to that child, you are a disappointment to me. Statistics have proven backwards and forwards, over and over and over, that that is the greatest devastation of a child is disappointment. I'm here to tell you today, and I want our podcast listeners to listen very carefully. And again, I want to throw out my number that you can text me on. 602-292-2982. Text me on this. I had some great conversations with people this week, and I really encourage our podcast listeners, I will respond to you personally. When you have questions or you're struggling with something. But I'm going to tell you something. This is the greatest sin in the church today. Is looking at the person next to you and showing disappointment. The reason why that the church has gone emergent and completely over-gracing people, over-loving people, and if you think that you can't love someone too much, you're being deceived. Because when you step over the line of loving too much, you are spoiling your children. And to raise a spoiled child is absolutely the worst thing for a parent to cope with. They're demanding, they're selfish, all of life becomes about them. And that's what's happening to our church. I got a text a couple days ago from a young man uh, that I've been discipling off and on for several years. In the text, he said, don't judge, just watch this. So I thought, I'm going to watch it. So I watched this little video of this kid talking about don't judge and you know, a little lesson that he learned on don't judging people and whatever, but it was classically emergent. 
And so I replied with, awesome, I encourage you to continue to share the true gospel of the indwelling life of Jesus Christ and to remember to minister to those who are going to be judged by God. And the only way to be freed from this judgment of God is through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I could have just responded with awesome little testimony. I'll forward it. But see, that's not the message he wanted me to get. The listening to the watching the video kind of left you with this impression. Is he talking about gay friends? Is he, what's he talking about? It's kind of this globalistic acceptance of your friends. It's not going to happen in this camp. But that's what we're faced with in the church today is literally loving people too much, gracing people too much so sin may abound. That's what's happening. What Paul said and warned us of in Romans is exactly what has happened to the church. So podcasters, listen very carefully. You will be judged, condemned, and sent to hell. No matter what your sin is, or how it's defined, or how it's plastered on your face. You're going to be judged, condemned, and sentenced to hell if you do not have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ who redeems you and pays for that penalty. So if you don't have that, you can send me these little don't judge texts and messages all day long and I'm here to tell you, you're still going to hell because you're condemned and you have been judged. And the only way to be freed from that is through an intimate, personal, indwelling life with Jesus Christ. I got another text from someone this week and they said, I am a follower of Christ and I don't know why you're making such a big deal about the difference between following Christ and being indwelt by Christ. To that I say, hello. But the church is filled with people like that who do not understand that being a true Christian is having the life of Christ in you. So when I talk about the Father, I want to show you probably, for me, one of the most powerful principles in the Word. The Father is in Christ. Christ is in me. I am in Christ. Christ is in the Father. That completes the circle of salvation. Father's Day isn't about patting your daddy on the back saying you did a pretty good job and then sending to hell. Now I'm going to say that one more time. Patting your daddy on the back and say, you know, you did a pretty good job. Thanks, Dad. And then because you're afraid of making sure he's an indwell believer of the living God, he goes to hell. A good dad. What's the point in that? Now, in my older age, I've turned more into an evangelist, as some of you know. But I'm not starting sermons anymore without people beginning to be challenged by understanding the difference between following Christ 
and be an indwell by him. Because all I'm going to get in the end is a bunch of performers trying a little harder to apply the sermon they just heard. If you do not have the indwelling life of Christ, all of your efforts today after this sermon are going to be fruitless. You should not remember someone for being a good father. You should remember someone when they die for knowing the father. Big difference. Here's our word for today. Father. But I want to share a quote with you. I know this is small print, and I believe you have it in your notes. Those of you who are listening online, you can get these notes. All you have to do is click on the PDF to the left of the microphone, and you can download the actual slides we're looking at. So here's our quote from Andrew Murray, one of our favorite uh, writers. First paragraph says, We may talk a great deal about the father's love to the prodigal, but when we think of the way that he treated the older brother, it brings to our hearts a truer sense of wonderful love of the father. Second paragraph says, The elder son, being ever with his father, past, present, future, had, if he liked, the privilege of two things, unceasing fellowship and unlimited partnership. An unlimited partnership provides resources or an inheritance. He goes on to say, but he was worse than the prodigal. For, all, for although always at home, yet he had never enjoyed nor understood the privileges that were his. All this fullness of fellowship had he had been waiting for and offered to him, but he had not received it, at least in his heart. While the prodigal was away from home in the far country, his elder brother was far from the enjoyment of home while he was at home. Next paragraph says, Full salvation includes unceasing fellowship ever with me. As earthly father loves his child and delights to make his child happy, God is love and he delights to put out his own nature on his people. It is the very nature of the sun to shine, and it can't help but shining on and on. God's love, and speaking with all reverence, he can't help loving. Final paragraph says, The message is that the Lord God desires to have you living continually in the light of his countenance. Your business, your temper, your circumstances of which you complain as hindering, are they stronger than God? If you come and ask God to shine in and upon you, you will see and prove that you may walk all the day, every day, in the light of his love. That is full salvation. Andrew Murray. I'm going to show you a list of 23 items that describe from the Hebrew text, God the Father which happens to be the same Hebrew requirements put upon a Hebrew father. And to have a son basically say, give me my paycheck, I'm out of here, I'm done with you. Says basically, I'll feed myself. My time, my way, 
And so the father has to let him go. As in the video clip where literally the son had to experience trauma, break his back, in order to be reconnected to, yes, father, I, I will eat because you said I will eat. And you are the provider. Now, you know there was more going on in the heart of that father than rice and vegetables. He was losing his son and the respect for his son and his son's respect for him. That's what was grieving the father. So the name is in the beginning and the end. And the name of the Father, there are 43 primary Hebrew names for God. But I'm not going to be talking about the names as much as I am the adjectives. The Father makes it clear that He is the beginning and He is the end. When that Father reaches down and picks up that baby for the first time, He is the beginning of that child's life. Now, we could fall into a little jealousy and play a little game here and say, but yet the mother birthed that child. She was the beginning. You want to bet? It's the seed. And the reason why Jesus did not have sin inside of his mortal body is because he didn't come from the seed of Joseph. He came from the seed of the Father. There's no sin in God's seed, so therefore the seed that was put into Mary provided a body, a baby, without sin. He's the beginning. Even how children are born is a statement of He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. If we were able to find all the spoken, inspired words describing God in the Word of God, we still would not come close to describing the Father of Heaven. It will take eternity for us to discover all the attributes of God. This is the primary reason why we, would, why we should be so excited about going to the Father and spending eternity with Him. I certainly have my order in for some multiple sessions with the Lord, our Father. Now listeners, listen very carefully. Today's Father's Day, 2015. By next week, thousands of men are going to die. Thousands of men are going to be dead. Today, those thousands of men that are going to be dead by next Sunday are getting compliments on being a good earthly father. That absolutely has no eternal weight of glory. Children, if you want to give your father something special today and over this next week, 
Find some time and sit down with them to make sure they have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ living inside them. Don't be afraid to challenge your father with the salvation message. Because they might be dead next Sunday. But those of you children who have a father with an active confession of the indwelling life of Christ, you have been blessed with a heritage. But I don't want to leave any stone unturned on this Father's Day. The closer we get to the final day of our Father here on earth, the more burdened I become. And as I have shared with you guys living across the street from a funeral home, and every time there's a funeral, I immediately stand at that door. I start praying for all the people who are involved in the funeral. But I cannot help but wonder if all that stuff that's being said about them in there has nothing to do with eternity. Another great Christ follower going to hell. That's what I live with. And they're all lying to each other. Because it's this beautiful, perfect moment of saying goodbye. Goodbye and where are you going? Doesn't that bother you guys? Saying bye-bye to someone and where are they going? This new initiative that we have in wanting to help our community understand the indwelling life of Christ, I am really serious about this. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get upset. And that's why last week that statement of loving people into hell is almost mind-bending. That is what our emergent church is doing. Seeking breeds intimacy. Think of how boring it would be To know God completely, 100% when you die and go to heaven. I don't want that. Now, whether whether that's the way it's going to be or not, I I can't say. I, I haven't been there yet. And I've had no relative who have died or friend that has died that has come back and said, oh, here's what it's really like. I know there's been a few movies out on that whole thing, but you can't come back. Either way, when you go to hell or when you go to heaven, there's no door swinging the other way. But I'm hoping that it takes all of eternity to get to know God the Father. Because seeking intimacy with someone is rich, it's full, it's, it's fun, it's exciting. When you discover these little pieces every day of your spouse's life or a child's life or the child's discovering things about you, you know, those are special moments. My old boss got me thinking about this. He's the one I first heard this from, is that it will take all of eternity to get to know the Father. That was a pleasing, comforting thought for me. To know is to move on. To seek is to follow.
One of the key elements of finding intimacy is in the search for it. The more time we take to get to know a friend, spouse, child, or God, the richer and more intimate that particular relationship becomes. So much of mankind's sinful flesh wants everything right now. Drive through a particular restaurant and get it right now. In fact, we're finding out ways to get it faster. And our favorite little comedian guy does this little thing about Taco Bell. You know, now that it's Express Taco Bell. And he, he has this little humorous thing about how fast can you get a taco? But that is the way we think is how can we get what we want faster and have it immediately or to have it now. God is a God of perfect timing and it will be in his timing that we come to know him completely. And this is not something that I fight for as much as I used to. And I'm beginning to learn that it's in this search that I do find great intimacy with Jesus Christ and with God the Father. But our flesh wants it right now. Jesus, the Son of the Father of Heaven, made it quite clear that the Heavenly Father keeps profound truths from earthly wise and intelligent and turns around and gives it to simple-minded people. Like a seven-year-old child who is running around the world now preaching the gospel. The young man that I was telling you about that has 30,000, 40,000 people out there listening to him and he's seven years old. Profound stuff comes out of this young man's mouth, and you got to wonder, where where'd he get it? What seminary did he get it from? The mind of Christ has all the fullness of the knowledge eternally, and he can give it to a willing seven-year-old. But what do we do? Stay silent and refuse to communicate the gospel because we're embarrassed. That'd be called pride. The Hebrew word picture for father is strength or leader of the house. This Hebrew word includes that of a natural father. It also is used for the founder of, of the uh, first ancestor as well as the author and maker of our faith or anything. Father applies to the one who provides care, like a father, to the needy as well as the master or teacher. Now here's one critical factor about our story today. How many times did the father chase down the son? Zero. Zero. What's the greatest habit of a parent? Is to chase down their children. I'll do anything for my child. Really? Does that include sending them to hell? Because if you don't let God break them, that's what you're doing. Is providing a comfortable pathway for them to just slip their way, not, even, not just away from you, but away from the hands of the Lord. You see, Jesus made this statement. He says, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. You see, he's standing on that, that property line and he's waiting. For him to step over that line 
would help usher that child into doing more of the very reason of why he left the father. High control. You see, the child had to come to this point in his life where he had to realize, I need some rice here. I need mama's cooking. And I'm willing to be a slave, a volunteer slave to get that cooking. Food. And the father is the wealthiest man in the land. So he waits. And he waits. Some people it's two days. Some people it's two years. Some people it's 20 years. He waits. But when he does see him coming unto him, the father, there's this stored up compassion he wants to pour out to the son. It's a waiting. Father is great at waiting. Be still and know that I am God. Wait. The word comes from two primary ancient uh, pictures. Aleph, which is an ox, which means strong or first. And bet, which is house. The first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the beginning of the house. And that's Aleph. It's literally where we get our letter A. This word means leader of a family or a tribe. Bet is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, second in line, just like the second son. All this is laid out for us in the Hebrew, and all the stories told are all connected to the Hebrew. The Alpha and the Omega is being revealed to us in this story. So bet being the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, the word bet is also used as the number two in the numeric coding of the of Hebrew system. And the reason this is a significant factor is that Aleph, first strong leader, bet, house, family, clearly reveals the importance of the father embracing his strength, first priority, and applying his strength to his home. You see, the firstborn son did not need the strength of his father. He already had it. It was the second one. You see, this father was losing part of his family. It was that son that needed his strength. But he also knew that he had to wait until that son actually wanted to receive his strength. The critical point is that the, the second son needed to come and join where the father is at work, not to have the father chase the son down in the pig pen. That's the key. So when that son jumps back into the bet, into the tribe, into the family, into the house, the fullness of the house can bless that child with the strength of the ox. And what exactly was it that they had for supper that night? You see, all of this is spelled out for us. What he ate was the strength of his father. There's a little 
confusing passage in Revelation about John eating a book. Remember that? What's he, what's he eating books for? He was eating the strength of the Father for God is the Word. From the end to the beginning, this story is laid out for us. I pray and hope, podcast listeners, you never, ever view the prodigal son's story any different than the gospel of Jesus Christ being revealed from the Alpha to the Omega. Here's our 27 Hebrew words or adjectives describing a father. An advisor, authoritative leader who assists in guiding followers in finding their way. Ancestor, parent who keeps family beliefs intact from generation to generation. Number one temptation of young boys is to think on their own. Come up with their own beliefs. You see, for me that's the greatest test whether I have a spiritual son on my hands. As a young man, one of these texters that I got this week was wanting to take everything I was saying, put it in their own words and feed it back to me until I put an end to it. I said, why, why can't you just receive training and education from a father? Why must you reformat it all so it's your idea? We call that Godship. That's the first test of a son if they actually receive the teaching, guidance, and direction from the father just as it is. Tough thing to do nowadays. Why? Another adjective is author, the one who writes the book or the way for others to follow. So John eating this book he was literally digesting, first ingesting, and then digesting the Father. The, the author, this is the recorded facts about the Father that was being ingested, not changed. The begetter, one who brings forth life, procreation, spiritually and physically. Benefactor, the supporter, the backer, the one who, who comes up with that Rice that's in front of the young man. The bond, one who keeps a tribe together. It's like glue. The Holy Spirit is, is associated with adjectives, particularly from the Greek, as glue. It's the glue that holds the whole thing together. Chief, principal leader, counselor, one who offers, obviously, solutions to problems. Creator, the one who forms life in such a way that they come up with very creative ways to try to show you life, show you meaning, show you purpose. That's why men are oftentimes more associated with being inventors than women are. Women use inventions. Men tend to invent. Forefather. That's me being connected to my father and then my grandfather and so forth and so on. Founder, the leader who establishes a tribe for future generations. 
governor, a leader who is known and respected for overseeing a community affairs. And that's the father being poured into a community. Grandfather, a father of their children's children. Guardian, a protector, a guard, a watchful eye over his family and his community. Head, authoritative, strong leader who leads by example and service. There's that inventor again. Find solutions of making use of available resources. Lord, which doesn't mean God, it means owner. One who owns people, places, and things. And you say, well, that's slavery. Yes. My children are mine. No matter what you do or no matter what you say, they're mine. They're my children. And then when I take the hand of my daughter out of my hand and put that hand in the hand of another man, he takes ownership. See how it works? It's not a bad word. <laughs> but since we Americans are not to be owned by anyone, it is a bad word. Then you need to quit using the word landlord. And you British people need to quit using the word Lord when it comes to addressing political leaders. Because it means owner in the Hebrew. Master, organizer, parent, patriarch, protector, respect, ruler, senior male, and finally teacher. The one who passes on the training that was given to him by primarily a spiritual father and oftentimes that's the same as their actual natural father or stepfather. Now these are just a handful of adjectives used to describe the role of a father. If your dad, earthly father, has 20 of these 27... You're in good shape for a good legacy. And if you are a child who has a father who has the majority, if not all, of these adjectives going on in their life, you're in really good shape of carrying on the legacy of God the Father in your family. But sad to say, most of us come from a heritage where we could pick out maybe one or two of these items and say, my father was good at these, these two or three things. And the rest, I just don't have stories for you. If you are one of those young men or young ladies who comes from a background where you had or had not a father who could demonstrate more than three or four of these items, you need to get with a spiritual parent immediately. I mean immediately this week. You see, in order for you to embrace the Word of God, you have to be able to embrace the Father. In order for you to embrace the Father, you have to understand what you're supposed to embrace. And if you do not have a legacy passed on to you to what a father is, you need to get with someone to learn what it feels like and what it looks like to be under the care of a guy like Paul.
a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. Here's our identity statement for today. The view we carry in our hearts regarding the role and life of a father directly affects our view of God as the Heavenly Father. When we perceive God to be like our earthly father, we covertly accuse, of God, accuse God of being full of sin. And these emergent followers that are making God look like he bleeds love and oozes grace and don't look at the other factors of love have done this. If you look at the full message of love, you'll no longer say God would never send anyone to hell. We were reading World Magazine yesterday and there was a particular leader that has been known to be conservative and truly one that you could be uh, very well comforting in saying that you were discipled by him because he taught such solid truths when he was younger is now a universalist and made a public announcement that he is going to, it has been actually, I've known it for a long time, supporting gay marriages. Well, that's just this much of his new resume. I've been tracking this particular guy for some time because he happens to be a disciple of my spiritual father. And the movement of going into God is a God of love, God is a God of grace, and he does not judge anyone that comes into our, our church is just a bold-faced lie. Judgment is a part of love. Condemnation is a part of love. But it's not our choice. It's God's choice. And it's a part of God because God is love. So we make God carry this view of being filled with sin because of our own perspective of God versus what the Word says. And that's why John wanted to eat that book. Earthly fathers are to radiate the characteristics of the Heavenly Father. Satan wants us to view God through the eyes or through the lives of our Father, earthly Father, so he can get the church all twisted up. So Jesus can present a perfect view of his Father in us because his Father is in him. The true indwelling life of Jesus Christ reveals Abba. It's no accident that Jesus referred to God as Abba, Father. When someone just refers to me as Father, I'm not, I know I'm not there with him yet. But when that spiritual son refers to me as daddy or dad or, you know, very intimate terms and father, and it's a mixture of the two, then the fullness of the heavenly father has been developed, a legacy has been put inside that spiritual son. Not that I'm special as a father, spiritual father, the legacy has been given. Abba, father. Abba in Hebrew is dada. It's the earliest communication with 
the Father. Father means authority. Abba is I have a relationship with authority. Are you with me? Jesus referred to God, who is love, as Abba, Father. So should we. Have a blessed Father's Day. Podcast listeners, next week we're going to actually dive into our topic of universalism. Please listen very, very carefully. We are going to dive into covering the necessary details of revealing the difference between being indwelt by Jesus Christ and being a universalist. We are facing this intrusion from the enemy into sharing with people about the indwelling life of Christ. It's called universalism. They're dropping like flies. There are books you probably have on your bookshelf of authors you've respected, and they have switched to universalism. All pathways lead to one God. We need to talk about it. You need to be able to communicate this to other people. You can be an indwelt believer and still be a universalist. But most of them are not indwelt. You just need things cleaned up a bit. I don't serve the same God as the Muslims. And they will say the same thing about me. And I can do that with Mormonism and Scientology and the list goes on and on. God is the only God. He is the Father. Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth. And He is the only life. So we need to talk about it. That starts next week in our definition of terms on what true Christianity is all about. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.